0: Welcome to The PubCast, your inside look at electronic publishing. From ebooks to websites to podcasts and more, join us as we interview the professionals on the cutting edge of publishing.
1: Hello, my name is Rachel Goodman, and I'm an undergraduate writing literature and publishing student at Emerson College. Today, we will be interviewing an industry professional to discuss electronic publishing and how it relates to his own personal business ventures. Could you please introduce yourself for our listeners?
0: My name is Ian Lamont. I'm the founder and president of i30 Media Corporation, which publishes the In 30 Minutes guides.
1: How did you come up with the idea for In 30 Minutes?
0: It's kind of a long story, but um, I'll try to give a shortened version of it. My first startup venture, it was a mobile classifieds app. I co-founded it with a software engineer and last Last spring, it was, there were signs that it was not doing well and it was probably going to fail. And at that point, I started considering a a plan B if it did fail. And what I decided to do was, and this was based on experience I had with the first company was have three requirements for starting a a new company. And I didn't know what I would, I didn't know it was going to be in digital media or electronic publishing, but the, the three requirements were it had to be something that I could prototype on my own that is without having to hire out help or find a co- find an engineer who was a co-founder it had to be something that generated revenue quickly and it had to be something that i could apply lean methods to and lean methods come from other industries first manufacturing and also software development but the idea was i would need to be using what i call a lean media philosophy towards product development towards advertising and marketing And towards other aspects of the business. And basically what this entails is conducting experiments, cheap, low cost, easy to execute experiments that can generate uh, feedback from customers or from the marketplace. And then I can use that data to improve or change um, the course of a product or a marketing campaign or whatever. So those are my three requirements. Again, it was I had to prototype on my own. It had to be a revenue and it, and it had to be take a lean media approach and because of the revenue requirement that basically took blogging out as the as a possibility and just for your reference my background is digital media I've been working online since the mid 90s
1: I did see on your website that you have a blogging history and I find that very interesting for an electronic publishing professional right
0: and and so I think a lot of people say oh well you know if you have all this online experience and digital media you should you know, maybe you could start up some sort of blog-based news service or something like that. And I certainly could do that. But the problem with um, problem with those types of sites is that they can almost never generate enough revenue to survive. The only way it works is if you have massive scale, or you start doing other activities like having events. So I put that out of I put that out of the running right away. Um, and then I consider, well, what what can generate revenue that I could you know, prototype relatively easily. And I looked at the ebook market and it's in the past couple of years, it's reached a critical mass and it's, 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 uh, you know, this is because of the rise of tablets and also e-readers like the Kindle, but it's becoming something that's even accepted mainstream and even more encouraging. People are willing to pay money for the content. So I took a look at that and said, okay, well, there seems to be an opportunity here uh amazon and a couple other platforms they have self publishing options so you don't have to go through a publisher you don't have to be vetted by somebody in new york so let me just try to let me just try to to uh, create an ebook and see if it sells and and besides creating an ebook i wanted to see if i could create a, like a brand that could be extended or scaled up so i decided on you, you know my my background is working for technology media i deal a lot with software and technology and I blogged about it before. So my idea was, all right, let's take a kind of a blogging approach to, uh, how to content about common technologies that are pretty widely used today. So I took Dropbox, which is a tool that I use all the time. And I just wrote a guide, uh, at Dropbox in 30 minutes. I did everything myself, um, from writing it to the production parts of it to even designing a crappy cover. Uh, but it took me about, Three weeks to get that out to the marketplace and post it on Amazon. And it started selling almost immediately. Um, not, not a lot, maybe one or two copies per day, but enough to say, okay, people like this type of content. And this is something I could potentially scale up and turn into real business. So, And then I started to grow it from there.
1: Great. So, how do you come up with the ideas for your books? Is there a list that you have of predetermined topics, or do you figure out what's trending before production begins?
0: Yeah. So, there's a couple processes going on. At first, it was just things that I knew about, um, but now it's now it's more. I'm working with other authors, and we're exploring these top. We're we're seeing if there's an, a market opportunity together to develop to develop something. Um, you know the 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 first i by luck I chose a topic that was actually in demand uh Dropbox, and the second one was also very much in demand, Google Drive. The three after that the Excel basics and the iPod and the google blogger those those have been much harder to get traction for. And one thing I learned with the Excel basics book actually was if, if you create a book in a, that's already in a very crowded space, you know, the chances of having a solid sales at the beginning are very, very low. So, you know, I, I created this book and I released it and I thought it was pretty well constructed and, you know, just as good as the other books that I'd I'd made, but it wasn't selling at all. And it didn't take me long to figure out what had happened. And the problem is, is, you know, Amazon, which is, the Amazon search engine, which is probably the number one source of sales for me. It's, if you search for Excel guide or Excel manual, it, there's about, you know, a hundred books in there. And my book was on the seventh page of results. So nobody was seeing it. And, you know, I started to optimize that. I changed the title and did a couple other things to help out. But only, and only this month has that really, has that grown enough where it's, you know, I can, it seems like a justified effort. After that, I pay much more attention to what's already in the marketplace, but I also want to focus on technology topics. And basically, you know, the topics that I choose are things that are mildly complicated that you could learn in 30 minutes. So a lot of people compare this to the, to the dummies guides. And, you know, there's some overlap there, but to be honest with you, there's certain things that I could never cover that dummies does very well. And, you know, take for instance, you know, C++ for dummies or some very complicated topic. You can't learn that in 30 minutes. So I never do something like that, but something like Dropbox or Google Drive, which you can, you can get the basics in 30 minutes. That's a topic that I'll do. And, you know, then I'll, then I'll, then um, me or the author I'm working with will take a look at the competition and the pricing. And if it looks like it's a very crowded marketplace for eBooks or paperback books, I probably won't do it. And I've had that experience actually once or twice where the author and I decide decided that, no, this is not a good idea. Uh, but if there's, you know, a moderate amount of competition, including, you know, if there's a for dummies book out there, I still, I, I still think that it's possible to justify the effort to creating the, to creating the title. And I think we have a strong, we have a strong brand. I mean, for my target audience, they get it. In 30 minutes makes sense to them and it appeals to them. You know, we have a pretty bold brand in terms of the graphic design too. So the, these elements I think are really, really will help the sale amongst our target audiences. And then, you know, recently I've been considering how how it can expand beyond technology topics. And I'm not, I have some ideas about that, but you know, I'm, I'm still taking it easy, but Very important to the success of this venture is actually keeping the production line going. Like you cannot, you cannot just sit on your laurels and, you know, hope that the sales of Dropbox in 30 minutes are going to carry you forever because I know that competition is going to come up. So I'm really always on the lookout for the next topic area that could work. And and then also longer term, I'm thinking, you know, the books, ebooks are going to become even more and more crowded. And how can I differentiate? this brand. Video is actually the area that I'm really considering as an area for business expansion. Um, and I'll, I'll be doing some experiments in the next couple of months with that. So another way of looking at it is the topics I'm choosing, I'm really thinking of what can work for video. And I already have some how-to videos for Dropbox and Google Drive and a couple other books up on the web. But I'm thinking about, okay, well, the next topic, does it lend itself to that? And some, most of them do. And I'm just thinking how I can a, incorporate them right into the, into the ebooks. For instance, Apple's platform supports video. And then B, how could I actually just not even selling ebooks or, or paperback books, what sort of content would people video content would people pay for? I mean, could I create a 30-minute course on something and would people pay for it? So that's that's an area of experimentation that I'm gonna be looking into as well.
1: So besides videos, are you considering using any other enhanced ebook content in your products?
0: Yeah, l- let me talk about that for a little bit because there are some other considerations for enhanced content and specifically ebooks that have enhanced content. One problem that exists in the marketplace right now is the, the platforms, the major platforms, and it's basically Kindle and then the various uh, platforms that support the EPUB format. They don't support the same type of enhanced content. And uh, Kindle, I think, is the, is the main offender right here, but. What this means is if I create a book that has enhanced content, I'm also going to have to create a book that doesn't have enhanced content. And what's, what goes on is then you start to have forked content and that just really increases the amount of production and editing and writing that has to take place, especially the, on the production side. And, you know, it's just a, it's a, another consideration and adds more time to what gets produced. Um, the other thing that's come up with enhanced content and it's not really enhanced ebooks per se, but it's, these apps that basically duplicate eBooks and people have come to me and said, Oh, you should do an app for this. You should do an app for this book. And my response to that is even though apps have great functionality and you can do all kinds of cool things with it. It's first of all, I have experience with this developing apps is, is a really hard thing to do. There's always things, customizations that you want to make that might be difficult to do. And then the second thing is, is people don't want to pay for apps. You know, Apple created this, this platform that's great for creating apps, but you have this oversupply of applications, and then people don't want to pay don't want to pay for them or they want to pay 99 cents for them. And it's just really, really hard to get noticed, and it's really, really hard to justify something like an app. But enhanced content ebooks, what I'm really waiting what I don't want to say I'm waiting for because I'm gonna start experiments soon, but what I'm really hoping for in the next year is that Kindle gets its act together and actually supports Embedded video because that will make that will make it much easier for me to justify spending the extra time to um, add video and other enhanced content to to my to my
1: books. In the vein of expansion, it says on your website that you only use iPad and Kindle as a publishing platform. But I was wondering why you don't use other platforms like the Kobo Reader.
0: No, and, and let me tell you about Kobo. It's it's a great idea. They're obviously on to something, but right now it's just the sales are so poor with Kobo. And it's weird because some like in December I got a sudden small surge of sales on there and then there's nothing for three months. And it's hard for me to 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 justify doing that. And the other the other issue that I'm dealing with is, you know, I have production tools that kind of decide what sorts of platforms I'll distribute to. And and right now I use a tool called Scrivener. Have you heard of this before? Yes, I have. Okay. So Scrivener, it supports .mobi and .epub pretty well. If Kobo or somebody else is coming up with another proprietary format, um, that just makes, that just, I have to wait for Scrivener to, to come out with it. Or I have to look into what other, what sorts of conversion software they have. And let me add right now, conversion software, the ones that are offered by, um, Kindle and a couple other places have them. Smashwords is the other one that's pretty well known in the space. There's always issues with that, and, um, you know, I, I I just like dealing with the native EPUB or .mobi formats, and my tool, Scrivener, they, it exports to both of them pretty well.
1: Okay, I understand. So in addition to different conversions, I also see that you currently have some print editions of your books. Will you eventually have a print edition for all of your guides, or do you plan to phase them out entirely?
0: No, the, I mean, the, the um, there's a couple considerations, and one is that, you know, there has to be uh, a baseline of sales to exist with or a market that I can identify that would like the print version. So I did it for Dropbox, Google. I did it for Dropbox as an experiment. This is keeping in mind the lean media because the ebooks seem to be selling pretty well. It's like, well, maybe people want a, 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 um, a print version. So I used create space to do it and that started selling pretty well. And then for Google drive, I did one and that sold really well. It's actually the biggest selling format slash platform is google drive and docs on in paperback um it's it's i'm really encouraged by that the excel basics this was an experiment where the ebooks weren't selling well so i decided just to to create a a paperback to see if it would sell well and i've gotten a couple sales off it but it's not that much and then for online um content marketing in 30 minutes i decided to give it a give it a shot with print because i wanted to make it as widely available as possible and you know some you have to think of your audience too. For for hipsters in Brooklyn or San Francisco or Boston, they're, they're not going to buy a paperback book, I don't think. But for people who are, you know, they're used to reading paperback books or they want to have something that they can bring with them on the, you know, they can bring with them without worrying about battery charges or connectivity or anything like that, then a paperback book might, might make sense. So, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure I, I think about the target audiences for these books and this is a case where, you know, Excel Excel in 30 minutes and Google Drive in 30 minutes, those work, those will work with paperback considering the target audiences. iPod, iPod touch in 30 minutes, I'm not so sure about that. And the sales on, anyways, the sales on the ebook are so poor that I'm not going to even go there.
1: That's totally understandable and makes a lot of sense. And speaking of more along the business side of things, how many other employees or freelancers do you have working for you or is it mostly just you?
0: It's just me. And... Oh, actually, I should say that I do hire out some production help for the, for the books. So after about three or four weeks of Dropbox and 30 minutes, this is last summer with my crappy cover. And if you look on, if you look on, um, digitalmediamachine.com, that's my old blog. Look for a, look for a, a blog post that's something, it says something like, um, people do judge an ebook by its cover, but basically I showed the the evolution of my thinking on hiring out a professional or why I did it and what I learned from it. So I hired a professional cover designer to do um, Dropbox in 30 minutes. And he did a really great job with that. So I use him for all of my work now.
1: I noticed that it looks really professional and also that you have a very strong brand image. Yep,
0: yeah, and it's it's just it looks really sharp. The other thing that I considered when I was looking for a cover. Cover is so if you're, if you're, if you're looking on the um, Amazon.com and browsing books, you'll see this, you'll see kind of somewhere on the page, you'll see people who looked at this also looked at that and it'll show little thumbnails of the, of the books. And then also, if you go to the categories, it'll also show thumbnails, just like about probably about a hundred pixels tall or something. So I wanted to make sure that the, that the design I was using was really stood out, even if it's shrunk down to thumbnail size. So that's why the, Text is very large and the clock is very noticeable and the colors are pretty bold. I see a lot of ebook authors and publishers not paying attention to this. And I think they're making a big mistake. I mean, if you can't, if it's not, if it doesn't stand out or if it's just kind of washing out or the, fa- I saw somebody yesterday using weird, hard to read fonts. I mean, you can't even, you can't even see what it says if it's shrunk down to small size. So I want to make sure, I wanted to make sure that the cover design was not only professional, but also Worked according to some requirements I had about, you know, what it looks like at different sizes. And my cover designer does that very well. And I also hire a copy editor to review all, all new, all new copies. Cause when you're an editor, I mean, this is, this is something that I learned a long time ago. You need at least two sets of eyes to see everything. Um, and it just can't go through one, one person.
1: And what do you do for the website?
0: That's all me right now. But assuming that this business is going to grow, I'm going to have to start to outsource that eventually. I just haven't reached the point where I need to do that yet.
1: So as the website grows, do you also plan to increase the blog component of your website?
0: Yeah. So I have a kind of a peculiar setup for the um, websites now. And one thing is that, so the first websites I created in line with the, the lean methodology and also just being cheap was, I just created very cheap, uh, book websites on blogger.com um re about 3 months ago I registered I bought and registered in30minutes.com and amazingly it, it had been somebody had bought it before but they gave it up so I just grabbed it and what I'm doing now is I'm creating subdomains on each on the on the website for each one of my books and um I have a WordPress installation on each subdomain and then and of course, because it's WordPress, I can have a blog on each subdomain. And I'm, what I'm doing is I have blogs on the subdomains, and then I have a blog on the main site. So even if you go to the main site, and you'll see I only have two blog posts there. If you go to the subdomains, you'll start to see that I have other content I'm putting on the subdomain blogs, like videos or just a quick note. And this all relates to inbound marketing. And you know, I, I'm assuming that that you've you know about inbound marketing, right?
1: I'm familiar with the term.
0: Yeah. Okay. So it's it's basically it's very closely related to SEO, and in fact, some people just use it in, uh, interchangeably. But the idea is you're creating content that people want and um, that people want to read. That they'll need some information, and you you help them with that. And while you're doing that, people get a chance to see, oh, this person's an expert, um, and they'll click around other parts of the site to see what else is being offered, or you know, there might be an opportunity to do something a bit more direct. So then um, by the way, I recommend online content marketing in 30 minutes to, to get you up to speed on inbound marketing. Cause um Derek, the author of that book really knows that stuff pretty well. So the, the idea that the idea is those two blog posts are really trying to draw some new, some people to the site who I want to show that I have some good insights about publishing or about the topics that I'm doing videos on or blogging about. And then Either they'll be interested in learning more about this and clicking around on the site some more, or, or the best option, of course, for me is that they actually go through and buy a book. So my philosophy right now is build some inbound links, build some content that people like to read, and then once they're on the sites, uh, encourage them to convert to, to people who actually purchase the, the books.
1: So looking towards future purchasing, where do you feel electronic publishing as a whole industry is going, particularly in the next five years?
0: I think some definite trends are these, well, l- let's talk about the devices first. I think that smaller form devices for reading are going to become the norm. And I'm very interested in seeing what Amazon's going to do with a s- supposed smartphone, because I'm pretty sure it's going to be big enough to read to read books on it. Um, the other thing that's going to happen with the books themselves is we're going to see more enhanced content. And I mean, there's a couple low-hanging fruit for authors to take advantage of. And that would be, you know, incorporating some sort of social aspects into the books themselves. So people could share it with their friends directly or connect with the author in some way. Um, And then there's also video, which I've mentioned before. So I think authors and publishers are going to have to, are going to need to figure that stuff out if they haven't already. I'm in a fortunate position in that my books are how-to books. So it really lends themselves to certain types of enhanced content. And I, I intend to take advantage of that. Um, the other thing that's happening is these, uh, you know, readership is going to increase. So right now, about 33% or maybe even 35% of Americans have either a tablet or an e-reader. So that number is going to double in the next five years. And that's going to have a corresponding impact on the uh, sale, the overall sales of books and content. Um, the other, but the, another thing that's happening is that this self-publishing thing, which is now a little bit hard for some people to figure out. Those tools are going to be simplified. So you're going to see a lot. What's going to happen is a lot more authors are going to come in and publishers. And I think people in other industries are going to come in there too, because they're saying, Oh, more people are my customers are spending time on Kindles and iPads. And I want to make sure that they're spending time on my stuff. So they'll start to be publishing as well. And what this means is that the competition will actually increase and. What worries me as a publisher is that it's going to have a, it's going to impact prices. And, you know, if, if things start going down to free again or, or 99 cents, that's, that's going to really squeeze out a lot of people. And I have to consider how that's going to affect my own business because the only way to make it up, if it does start to go cheap is to, to greatly increase the volume. So I have to be thinking about things like that. Um, and then the other thing that I'm really interested in is how this how this all these trends, how it impacts international distribution, because, you know, it's great that I can get thousands of readers here in America. But I'm also very much interested in how I can get readers in China or other countries that make that that require a translation. And what's the what's the most cost effective way to, to do that and appeal to those audiences?
1: Well, those are all the questions I have. And I just want to thank you for generously giving me your time and for answering everything so thoroughly. Help. Once again, I'm Rachel Goodman. And that was Ian Lamont of In 30 Minutes. And you are listening to The Pubcast.
0: This has been The Pubcast. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback by visiting us on the web at www.thepubcast.org.